it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. A lot to discuss. I know we have affiliates all over Florida and South Carolina and North Carolina, and you're looking at the hurricane. We have the governor of Florida speaking right now, Governor Ron DeSantis, off the campaign trail. Speaking of this, of course, he had a horrific shooting over the weekend, and then uh, to this uh, Hurricane uh, Idalia that, uh, uh, that is, uh, I guess, tomorrow at this time. It'll be right over Florida, starting on the West Coast and hopefully not uh, too far into the East Coast. But we'll see. The stripe goes right there. Uh, he says you got to take it serious. And uh, Governor DeSantis and Florida knows how to do this. So we'll keep an eye on that. We have Lieutenant Colonel Allen West on what's going on with the border. And now the federal government is suing Texas because of the barriers they put in the Rio Grande River. And the fact is they have the Operation Lone Star doing the arresting that the federal government is not. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We've had a fantastic response. I mean, truly, I think in the first 72 hours, we raised a million dollars. We've had a lot of people um, join the campaign. The phones are still ringing. I mean, we're absolutely grateful, but it only keeps us more motivated because we have a country to save. 2024, Trump drops after missing the debates as Haley and Pence rise along with DeSantis, who leaves the trail, as I mentioned, to handle what he has to do in Florida. An opportunity for him to execute under pressure. For his people. Number two. Hunter Biden is reportedly selling art. We know I hear your question. Buyers got a job from the Biden administration. Can you guarantee that there is I no hear, quid I pro hear your plus? question. I'm not going to get involved in this. That is a question for Hunter Biden's representatives. No, no it isn't. It's for the. Why does Gianna answer anything? Hunter hijinks from the Biden shady family business dealings to the investigation around it. Clearly, the White House plans to slow everything down. Why I don't think that plan will work coming your way. Number one. These trial dates also are going to move. It's unrealistic. It's theatrics. And no judge is going to say that you can be on two trials at once in two different states because a lot of these overlap. No joke. Alina Haba representing the legal team of Donald Trump's all of them. No coincidence. The Trump on Trial show has a start date before Super Tuesday. The day before. We will review the calendar designed to disqualify him from running, in my view, and how it could all succeed for Dems or blow up in their faces. Now, look, Donald Trump in the latest poll leads Joe Biden, despite all these 94 indictments, by a couple of points. Why? Because we see what's happening with Joe Biden. The guy can't even function. He's constantly on vacation. He does not give interviews. The interviews he gives are all friendly. He took one question from Fox in two and a half years where you saw Donald Trump take all of them. Whatever you want, he wasn't ducking. Even from the trumped-up investigation that shouldn't really have taken place, Trump was taking all questions at all times. And this guy doesn't see it. And that's why I think the numbers are pretty alarming that I think it's at 70 percent of the American public thinks that he is too old to serve, including 69 percent of Democrats. So what they're going to do instead of 
Trump uh, pumping up Biden and making him more productive and possibly him defying uh, conventional wisdom and showing that he's not too old to serve. What we're seeing is Joe Biden try to diminish his opponent, Donald Trump. So here it is. Eighty nine percent of Republicans, 69 percent of Democrats uh, say that he's too old. Fifty one percent say Trump's too old uh, and should not be running. Look. I don't think Trump's too old. You could say that Trump has a lot of chinks in his armor. You might have a problem with him, but 77 years old, he's not acting like it. The guy's playing golf nonstop. This is Trump. So you can't say he's been held back by the fact that he doesn't really work out and do things that like previous presidents have done, but he doesn't do it. But the problem Donald Trump has, whether you think he's 100% innocent or 100% guilty, he's got to show up at all these events and all these trials, and it's going to keep him off the stand. Big time. So when you look at what he's obligated to do, uh, it is pretty uh, overwhelming. I mean, for example, you have his schedule. September 6th, the Georgia arraignment. October 2nd, Trump organization suit. Then you have um, the 15th of January, the Jean Carroll defamation suit. Another self-inflicted wound when he insulted her after he lost the case. The January 15th comes this thing called the Iowa caucus. So the same day as the caucus, you have someone uh, with a defamation suit. Then on the 29th, the pyramid scheme that says that Donald Trump's organization, that everyone loved and begged to revamp golf courses like Bloomberg and uh, ice rinks like Ed Koch and others. Now all of a sudden you got a problem with this organization. March 5th is Super Tuesday. But you know when March 4th is, according to this New judge, March 4th is the documents case, the January 6th case, I should say. So that's going to take time. He's going to be in a courtroom instead of barnstorming around for Super Tuesday. On March 25th, the Alvin Bragg case, it might be moved. I'm not sure. On May 20th, then comes the document case. July 15th, the RNC. By the time the RNC comes up, he's pretty much done with his cases. The question is, is he going to be convicted anywhere? Here's Alina Haba, cut to. These trial dates also are going to move. It's unrealistic, it's theatrics, and no judge is going to say that you can be on two trials at once in two different states because a lot of these overlap. They look at the start date of the trial, mm-hmm. but these are four to six week trials at the uh, least. Mm-hmm. So there's no way they're not going to overlap. I mean, they're going to have to go into October, November of next year, again, by design. So which uh, Trump immediately put a statement out and says this uh, through Truth Social. Deranged Jack Smith and his team of thugs who were caught uh, going to the White House just prior to indicting the 45th president of the United States. And he's not kidding. This guy, Brat, who was his deputy, was at the White House. What were they doing there? Meeting with the uh, meeting with some uh, White House officials. You're going to tell me there's no coordination there. They would not confirm or deny that they talked about anything to do with Trump. Uh, they've been working on a witch hunt for almost three years, but decided to bring it smack in the middle of the crooked Joe Biden's political opponent's campaign against him. Election interference. Today, is bi- uh, today a biased Trump-hating judge gave me only a two-month extension, just what our uh, corrupt government wanted. Super Tuesday, I will appeal. So this judge says, I don't care about the calendar. You, this is your priority. But if you make it the day before Super Tuesday, how could you not say that she's doing this intentionally? Even the appearance, if she made it March 1st or February 29th or 28th, if it's leap year, I don't even know if it is. 
or April 1st. At least it would have the guise of, oh, I had no idea. But now, the day before Super Tuesday, Victor Davis Hanson sees the big picture. Cut four. I think the subtext is what they're not talking about. And so they feel they have no other choice for three reasons. One, they can't run on Joe Biden's agenda, not on the border, not on crime, not on the economy, not on energy, not on anything. And two, Joe Biden is one trip away from oblivion. He's one silly remark away from oblivion. He's failing geometrically at a geometric way. And whether he even finishes his term, they're unsure. Third, to use that left's phrase, that walls are closing in. It's not just Archer and Bobolinsky or the IRS whistleblowers. It's Victor Shokin. It's some oligarchs that say they have tapes. There's the Hunter laptop that's being reexamined for where he admits he gave half his income to Joe. And so they don't want to talk about any of those three things. They don't, but it's happening. And then we find out through a Freedom of, different, uh, uh, a freedom of Information Act request that took it looks like a year, a year, and it was put forward by uh, the Southeastern Legal Foundation. They said, you know, the president, the vice president, then president now has an alias, has three of them, email aliases. So whatever you think of that, you think of that. And it was on a government server. So I'd like to know where all those emails are. Can we see them? They took a year. They dragged their feet. But then they came back and said there's 5,400. It's going to take us some time to produce. Wow. Now, I don't know what it's going to say. But if you're looking to possibly do some business deals, you don't want to put it on JoeBidenVP.com.gov. But maybe you want to put it on some of the alias, uh, Robert uh, L. Peters or Robin Ware. And there's another one with a derivative of a rare with a middle initial. Maybe that'll show. And maybe there's another one on a Yahoo or Hotmail. Maybe that will show something else. It's amazing. They said for security reasons, we like to give people an alias. Okay. You can't secure a president's email or your vice president's email. We're all doomed then. And I'm not even going to play the KJP. I was looking at it. She has no answers for any of this. He took two weeks off. She doesn't even try to answer. Jen Psaki used to try to answer, even be dismissive and and sarcastic, nothing. She just says, well, I'm going to defer you. I'm going to defer you. It's not going to matter. Even This is well within her scope of things she should be answering. So now we're going to see what Joe Biden's up to, what people are. Now, I listened to this podcast over the weekend with this Washington Post reporter that refused to believe that Joe Biden was involved in anything underhanded as it relates to Hunter Biden's uh, laptop or his business deals. One of the things this guy actually said was, is it, Hunter Biden or Joe Biden's fault that he happened to call Hunter Biden when he's in the middle of all these meetings? Really? You're in the middle of an important business meeting. You get a generic call from your dad and you take it 20 times over the course of 10 years with Devin Archer there? Please. And you're going to tell me there's nothing to see here. It's crazy. And Victor Shokin, who was fired by him, finally speaks up to us on Saturday night. And you've been seeing the clips. He speaks up and says, I got fired because of this guy. And I was pursuing Burisma, and I wanted to see what Devin Archer and Hunter Biden were up to. And they believed, Victor Shokin believed, that the guy was taking bribes. So for the people who say Victor Shokin was fired because he was corrupt, I can't do the definitive biography on Victor Shokin. But he says 
Sue me, find out. I dare you to name anybody that claims that I'm corrupt except for a generic comment about things that they claim that I have done. And I asked him, why not sue? And he says, I don't have any money to sue anyone for defamation. And it need, you need money to do that. So here's Miranda Devine last night. Cut 10. He was tackling Burisma. We know that he seized Burisma's, uh, the owners uh, of Burisma's properties just a month before he was fired. You know, it was a lie that the Burisma investigation was dormant, which was one of the other reasons we were told why Shokin had to go. He only had 10 months in the job before Joe Biden started making these blackmail attempts, these overbearing, bullying attempts to get rid of him. You can only assume that there must have been something for Joe Biden, that he went above and beyond what government policy was at that time by withholding a billion dollars in U.S. aid. And that's the story that ended up getting Donald Trump impeached. He got impeached for what Joe Biden had done wrong. Because you send Rudy Giuliani in there awkwardly, and he's sitting there doing his, um, you know, like a bull in a china shop, pulling its way through Ukraine, saying, what's going on here, what's going on here, what's going on there? And on appearances, it looked like the current president was investigating a future political rival. That's why Joe Biden is doing the same thing. But, you know, Joe Biden's doing it smarter. He's going to have nothing to do with it. Comment on the mugshot. He's like, handsome guy. Uh, comment on investigation. Nothing to do with me. Uh, did you did you instruct the Department of Justice to raid Mar-a-Lago? Nothing to do with me. But if you send Rudy Giuliani in there instead of William Barr in there, that was the problem. But it doesn't mean there was no there there. But now the president is trying to ignore the heating up investigation that's being done by members of the media who see that this thing is catching speed. Here's Victor Shokin on the truth about Burisma. He was looking into it. Cut four, cut 11. I have no doubt that there were illegal activities engaged in by uh, Burisma. As a matter of fact, the criminal case had been started before me. It continued to expand. And Zlochevsky, who at the time held the post of minister and was the founder and CEO of uh, Burisma, started bringing in people who could provide protection for him. Hunter Biden was uh, among them. And the corruption network expanded as a result. So, yes, to answer your question, there, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that Burisma was engaged in illegal activities. I'll take a time out now, and I'm going to take some of your calls on this. This is moving. And just like I don't care what you think of Donald I'm not. I'm keeping your opinions out of it right now. Whatever you think of Donald Trump, please tell me that you are clear-eyed enough to see that this isn't a bunch of cases that just happen to be coming up two and a half years after they took place. In some cases, when it comes to these civil trials, 20 years after it took place, don't tell me it's not a coincidence to stop a former president becoming the 47th president. I'm not sure if he's going to win. I'm not sure if he's going to get the nomination. But I know this. He's leading by a lot. And he's got 97 different charges in four major different cases, let alone the civil trial. This stuff all could have been brought within months of the execution of it when it took place. But they waited. And that's got to bother you to a degree. Unless you're so blind with Trump hate, you just are enjoying the, enjoying the ride. I'm not one of them. I'd feel if Joe, if Joe Biden was under indictment on four separate uh, cases across the entire country and they held it for two and a half years to stop him from winning re-election, that would bother me too. 
as inept as Joe Biden is and as uh, as old as he's getting before our eyes. That will bother me. So when we come back, I'll take your calls, 1-866-408-7669. And then you'll find out what made the federal government get critical of New York when it comes to legal immigration. I'm not kidding. Back in a moment. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The reality is that this this is happening. As he says, he will appeal. His attorneys will appeal. They're trying to get it pushed back again. But this is a resource management issue. I mean, the president was able to raise a lot of money after he had that mugshot come out. But when it comes to how they're going to manage campaigning with this legal problem, the benefit is he's in the news all the time. Uh, the other candidates are going to have a hard time breaking through. But also it's a lot of money and a lot of time and resources to the legal issues that he's facing. It's true. And they're trying to flip everybody in his world, too, because they don't have the resources. And I don't think President Trump, I'll eventually ask him, is spreading it out. Uh, but... Katie Pavlich is being very practical. You know, you can't you can't barnstorm if you have to be in court. Uh, Jim was on WDBO in Orlando. Hey, Jim. Hey, um, uh, Brian. Uh, I just wanted to touch base with you. I want to give you an independent point of view yep. on uh, you know Joe Biden and Barisma and all this type of stuff. My problem with it is that when. Um, when Donald Trump was in office, right, he was the president. You got uh, we, uh, the Republicans had Bill Barr uh, as the attorney general. You guys had the Senate, right, and then you had you had all you had all the chips in place to do something, and nothing was done or found. Jim, 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 just Rudy, keep in mind, Rudy, Rudy Giuliani. Just keep in mind, Jim, the, what you just said. Rudy Giuliani started like rampaging through Ukraine. Because yeah, I know, but I mean, it was ridiculous. That was a bad decision it was on terrible. Trump's part, and his True. whole entire uh, his, his whole entire campaign and the people around him. That's he dumb. Put, he brought that on himself. I hear you. He shouldn't have been impeached, but you're right. I said the whole time. I'm like, listen, I don't care what Joe Biden did or didn't do. You don't just send Rudy Giuliani in there to go upend the State Department, upend the sitting ambassador. Go ahead and tell Zelensky, listen, you better tell me what Joe Biden did. You don't do that. I don't think it should have resulted in an impeachment. But that nullified the investigation, and that made Bill Barr go, yeah, I'm done. Uh, let's just leave Ukraine. You go run for president. Then the pandemic hits, and the pandemic hits, and then all that stuff stops. Then we know what happened after with the election. But, Jim, I know what you mean. You know, they did have the Senate, but they were investigating. Alan West next.
the talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. People are having a hard enough time paying, keeping their own roof over their head, and now what the government is saying, you have to pay to house these individuals. She's asking for Section 8 vouchers. Think about that. We have a years-long waiting list from citizens, domestic violence victims, veterans who are waiting for Section 8 vouchers, and she's asking the president to allow these people who have come illegally to cut the line and take away from citizens. It's unbelievable. Not to mention she wants free Metro cards for the ability for uh, these individuals to ride our uh, subways and our buses for free after she just raised our tolls and fares. These people are bending over backwards to provide for illegal immigrants what their own citizens aren't even receiving in terms of benefits. So that is Nicole Maliotakis beside herself because the people in her uh, district are being overwhelmed by illegal immigrants. They might be the greatest people in the world, but they came here on illegal means. Then they get into uh, they get into the schools because you got to give a kid an education. They don't speak English in almost every case. A lot of time it's not even Spanish, so you can't even say English as a second language. We don't even know that third language. And then you have a situation where you have to give uh, three meals a day, and you got laundry service too. And we're constantly converting gyms and old schools and old buildings. Now we're in 200-plus shelters. Now, sing me another song, says the people of Texas and Arizona in particular, because they've been dealing with the same thing, maybe at not this level, uh, for a long time. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joins us now. He's the Union Executive Director of the American Constitutional uh, Rights. Welcome uh, back, Congressman. It's good to be back with you, Brian. So now we have Nicole Malitakis trying to, and she's never been in support of this, But now the Biden administration is calling out Governor Hochul and Mayor Adams, you know, Democrat, 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 uh, called out Democrat leaders in New York for following state and local officials complaints that the federal government had failed to help sanctuary zones reopen an immigrants crisis, even after 100 million in aid. So the 100 million in aid should have been enough. Stop complaining, says the federal government and a problem they caused. Yeah, it's amazing to me that even Kirsten Sinema, uh, who was a Democrat, now independent, said, how can it be that, you know, up in New York City, New York, they're getting $100 million, but yet Arizona, which is on the front lines, and we know they have gates that are welded open, they're only getting, what, 7 to 10. Uh, and you think about what other country in the world would just say, hey, look, walk into our country, and you'll get all kind of free benefits, and, and we'll make our legal law-abiding taxpayers pay that to you. This is insane what is happening. And now we got school that is starting back up. And you just articulated one of the problems with how we're going to get these kids into school because that's what they're going to demand. The kids have to have an education. Uh, we don't know the background from any of these kids, the languages, or even when you start to think of the medical records for a lot of these kids, some of the dangers we're going to expose our own children to with some of the diseases and some of the, uh, the sicknesses that may be coming into our schools. So this is not just a national security issue. It's a health care issue. It's a, it's a housing issue. I mean, it just goes three or four tiers deep. And the people that are being held responsible for it are the American people who didn't ask for it, but yet the folks that are the cause of it, as you articulated, they just go around pointing fingers at each other, especially those who said we want to be a sanctuary city. So this is, and by the way, I did not know this. This right to shelter, you know, in New York, they go, well, we have a right to shelter law. 
The New York Post looked into it. There is no right to shelter law. It was something brought up by Ed Koch of the 80s. Uh, it was something to do with our homeless situation, which said that they have you have a right to get them into a shelter and nothing to do with illegal immigrants. It's been adopted from these people. And Curtis Lee, who I think is going to run for mayor again on the Republican ticket, he's showing up at all these facilities and he's going to bat for these facilities who have no voice. Because next thing you know, just like the federal government, they just throw them in. They don't talk to anybody who's affected. Listen to some of the uh, uh, the reasons, uh, the explanation of the chaos that took place and would w- actually result in fisticuffs over the weekend at Gracie Mansion. Cut 25. No to Eric Adams. No to the tents. No to the migrants. No to the tents. No to the migrants. No to the tents. No to the migrants. No to the judge. No to the migrants. The mayor has forsaken us. The governor has forsaken us. So here you go. Uh, welcome to the chaos. This is one of the many reasons you don't live in New York. Uh, but then welcome to the chaos. May, Democratic mayors turning on governors. They're not speaking much anymore. And then what they did, there's so little field space here. They have put 10 cities on top of Randall Island Field. So these fields yeah. go really from 7 in the morning to maybe 10. They have games starting at 10 o'clock at night. And now they're all taken up by 10 cities on the turf. Do you believe these idiots? No, it's hard to believe. I mean, this is a a very bad Greek tragedy. And think about it. Now our kids are suffering. And so our kids who we had locked up uh, for how many years because of the COVID, uh, they suffered, could not go out and be with their friends. Uh, they, They now are behind with their educational levels as far as reading and math. And now they don't even have the opportunity to go out and participate in their athletic uh, events and facilities. So what we see happening now, Brian, is that the Democrat Party putting the American people last. They're putting the American children last. They're taking away the children's ability to go out and have fun and play, but they'll they'll say that if a child wants to mutilate their body and become a different sex, uh, we'll allow them to do that. And, oh, by the way, we won't even tell the parents. So the priorities of the Democrat Party are really upside down, and I think that's going to come back to bite them next year at the polling stations, not just with, you know, white uh, males, but suburban women with uh, with blacks, with Hispanics, with other Latinos, and also with Asians, because they are doing nothing that promotes the well-being and the quality of life of the American citizen. So would these buoys that are now in the Rio Grande River, the federal government is suing to take them out, are they effective? And they say that they put them in there to save other people so they won't try to cross. Have they been effective? Well, I was down there two weeks ago in Kenny County, which is between Eagle Pass and Del Rio, talking to the sheriff there, Brad Coe. Uh, and you should have Brad Coe on your show. I mean, just an incredible man uh, being on your, your Saturday night TV show or your radio show. But what they're doing is they're just finding other places to go. That's all that is happening. Uh, But I want people to really understand and pay attention to something. I was out in Brewster County, which is the largest landmass county in the state of Texas, sits along the Big Bend uh, mountain range there along the border. And what they have going on out there, this is where we really need to be concerned because the people that are crossing out there in the high mountain desert area in, in West Texas, those are the ones that don't want to get caught. And they have a serious issue out there. So while we're talking 
talking about buoys, you know, over about, what, one mile uh, course of the Rio Grande River. We've got uh, people that are flooding across the border that are, you know, dark camouflage, backpacks, things of this nature out in West Texas in the mountains. So I tell you, uh, talk to Sheriff Brad Coe of uh, Kenny County, who was a Border Patrol agent. Now he's a sheriff there of a county that has 1,500 square miles. He's only got like six or seven active duty uh, sheriff deputies. He can tell you what's really happening on that border. Uh, I want to bring you to the uh, election right now. Donald Trump lost a few points, according to one poll anyway, mm-hmm. since he did not debate. Uh, we know that DeSantis ticked up to Nikki Haley, still in single digits, but doubled as Mike Pence did, went up to. Who, who in your mind really shined in that uh, debate? Well, I think you have to look at it two different ways. Uh, who got the most microphone time? Vivek Ramaswamy, and that's who everyone is talking about. Yeah. I think Ron DeSantis kind of held his own, didn't hurt himself, somewhat improved himself. I think Nikki Haley did up her game. I think that the big loser uh, was Tim Scott. I, I mean, for whatever reason, he seemed irrelevant and cast into the back shadows, and you did not see him increase whatsoever. But the real story is that Donald Trump has to change the narrative. Donald Trump cannot be seen as just a former president under four indictments. He has to be seen as a presidential candidate, and he needs to be out there on that stage reforming the narrative, talking about the issues, getting people to see him as as a future president and not someone facing indictments, which is what the left wants to do. So I would once again advise him to be on that debate stage. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's going to do Fox Business. The prediction he'll do the third one, especially if he drops, he'll go out there. But here's the thing, Colonel, even if you're the biggest Trump fan in the world, you look at the schedule the day before Super Tuesday, you're going to tell me that's a coincidence? And then all the civil trials in between? This guy does his best when he can barnstorm from city to city to city, and it's going to be hard to do that. Well, that's why I think it's so important to get on these debate stages. You're going to get the audience. Everyone is going to be watching, Republican, Independent, or Democrat. And, and again, if you're the big grizzly bear in the in the forest, you need to fight off the wolves. And I think this gives him an opportunity to do that. So I would advise him to be mm-hmm. there for the Fox Business debate uh, because it's going to center on the economy, and that's a strong point for him to talk about the economy. If people try to take it to other topics, then he should be strong enough to say, look, we're here to talk about the American people. We're not here to talk about me. Well, that'll be interesting for him to say that for the first time in his life. (laughs) Uh, But (laughs) he would never in a million years say that. Uh, I want you to hear this. You know, President (laughs) Biden never stops not telling the truth. And and one of his, you know, the story about him on Amtrak with his conductor saying this and the conductor had been dead already in the time frame, which he brought up. He talked about uh, pinning a medal on a battlefield for a for a fighter that never existed for a battle that never took Mm -hmm. place. We know about him saying I got arrested protesting on Robbins Island, Uh, uh, the 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 arrest and the imprisonment of Nelson Mandela never took place. Mm -hmm. Here's another Mm -hmm. story that he made up. Listen to this, cut 18. The audio's not great, but listen to this. Pause for just a moment. I thought things had changed. I was able to literally, not figure talk Strom Thurmond in voting for the, the Civil Rights Act before he died. And I thought, well, maybe there's real progress. But hate never dies. It just hides. It hides under the rocks. And when someone breathes a little oxygen in it, it comes out roaring out. 
So he was talking about 60 years since the Martin Luther King, I have a dream speech and the Jacksonville shooting yeah. that took place over the weekend. The guy was a raging racist, no question. But I don't think it's emblematic of the country. But President Biden was saying that he personally got segregationist, former segregationist, Strom Thurmond, to, uh, to sign on to the Civil Rights Act. Well, it's not true. He would be, uh, if the year that Strom Thurmond signed it, uh, Joe Biden was 21 years old and lying about his <laughs> law degree, which he said he got a scholarship for. Um, and he finished at the top of his class, he was at the bottom of his class, and never got any scholarship. So what is wrong with him, Colonel? Well, I mean, he, and remember, the, the longest filibuster, I believe, in U.S. Senate history were the Senate Democrats filibustering against the civil rights legislation in 1964. Look, no one holds him accountable, and he continues to believe he can get away with saying any of these absurd things. But, you know, th- that should cause people to believe we've got a problem when you look at the, all of these, you know, I didn't know about my son's business. I had nothing to do with his business. That's the biggest lie. And so here's a guy that's been profiting uh, off of, you know, selling his influence all across the world to some people that are really our geopolitical uh, enemies, especially when you come to China and, and Russia. And maybe that's why we're so deep in this Ukraine thing, writing hundreds of millions, billions of dollars and aid to Ukraine. So Joe Biden has a, a serious character flaw with telling the truth. Right. Uh, and it's not OK. It's it nonstop. No. Not OK. Remember, he he looked in the camera and he said 51 intel experts say this is classic Russians disinformation, mm-hmm. knowing it was his son's laptop with his son, his Bo Biden foundation sticker on top of it, knowing all that. Knowing that he, when he says, I had no idea about my son's overseas business dealings, knowing that he called in 20 times in 10 years minimum into these very business dealings and sat down at the same restaurant and it's on record of him doing it. If he's that comfortable lying to you about things that seem minor at the time, what else is he lying about? Or better yet, what is he telling the truth about? Well, I think it's the latter. Uh, He does not tell the truth. And we have a president that we cannot trust. Uh, We have a president that has been been compromised. And again, why does the Biden family need uh, 20 shell uh, LLCs? Uh, and why do we have you know nine family members from the Biden family getting millions of dollars from places like Romania? <laughs> so again, we got some serious issues with this president. The mainstream media cannot continue to ignore this because the American people are paying attention. Absolutely, and so are you, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Uh, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Go get him, Brian. Get All right. Him. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go get him. When we get back, I'm going to go get the calls, one 866 We'll talk about the Hunter Biden revelations, too, and the president, then vice president, using email aliases. 5,400 emails under a different name. Soon we'll find out what's in those emails. Back in a moment. Miss a show? Have to tune out early? No problem. Download the podcast at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. You're with Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Well, thank you for doing this. I want to just say to the councilwoman, 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 I 
got you. Don't worry about it. We've already been looking uh, to identify funds to be able to help, one, make sure there's adequate security for Edward Waters College. We are not going to allow these institutions to be targeted by people. We... So I got to give Ron DeSantis great credit. I mean, after the shooting in Jacksonville, a very urban environment, they were blaming him for loosening gun laws that allowed this crazy white supremacist. And he is. It's not an opinion. The guy says he had Nazi uh, uh, insignias on his gun. His manifesto read like uh, the sick individual he is. By the way, isn't it amazing we get the Jacksonville manifesto right away? We still have not got the Nashville manifesto that... Uh, that transgender lunatic uh, that killed all those people in Nashville. Uh, so uh, so he went there and he says it wasn't necessarily invited, but he wanted to go down and address the situation. And then this is what uh, the councilwoman did step up and try to get some decorum. Her name is Jacoby Pittman. She's a Jacksonville City Councilwoman. Listen to her, cut 31. Okay, listen, y'all. Oh, let, me, let me tell you, we finna put parties aside because it ain't, it ain't about parties today. A bullet don't know a party. So don't get me started. Okay, Jacoby is nice, but Ann is not. Now, if the if the if the governor wanted to come here and he bringing gifts to my community, y'all know I'm taking the gifts. Because we've been through enough already, and I don't want to go through no more. Now y'all, y'all just be quiet just a minute and let the let the governor say what he gonna say. Nice. And what he did is provide security, money for security uh, for the historically black college. And he also provided money for the families of the victims. Uh, Matt, listen on WTKF in North Carolina. Hey, Matt. Hello, Brian. How are you this morning? Great. What's on your mind? Uh, well, it's been eight days. Nice to talk to you. And I wanted to uh, alert all your voters. I know you have a giant audience. Thank you. Think about your, you're welcome. Think about your gas prices. Think about your grocery prices. I'm not telling you who to vote for. Think about your mortgage interest rates. And that is why my trunk flag is flying proudly from the 80-foot pine tree in my front yard. And every farmer that drives by honks a horn. I can hear him from my office where I am now. It's interesting. Uh, in North Carolina, too, that's considered slowly but surely a battleground state. You have a Democratic governor. There, too, and that's where they were going to have the RNC last time around. So we'll see, Matt. Uh, One thing about Trump, he will focus on the economy. And if he doesn't like what the Fed is doing, he'll blister the Fed. And if he doesn't like the way trade's going, he will go after trade. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest-growing radio talk show, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. We come to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world. Senator Ron Johnson was called out by the White House in response to my Shokin interview, saying, well, Fox is constantly trying to poke holes in the Hunter Biden story and essentially say that dog won't hunt. Well, it turns out he also pointed out Ron Johnson did an investigation and didn't yield anything. The White House is totally wrong about that. It yielded a lot and it would have made progress had they been able to maintain the majority in the, in the Senate. But I cannot wait for Ron Johnson to answer the White House. With me in studio is Molly Hemingway, and the bottom of the hour will do a simulcast. Uh, Molly, welcome back. It's great to be here with you. Editor-in-chief of the Federalists, I should I, say. I am. And one of the things about Ron Johnson's investigation, which came out in August and September of 2020, that was not based on 
Hearsay, that was based on government documents, suspicious activity reports from the Treasury Department. It should have always been taken much more seriously by corporate media because it was so well-researched at the time. But because they were all in on trying to you know, heave Joe Biden over the finish line, they never gave that the proper hearing that they should have. So I, I just noticed, too, I don't know if you read the Washington Post today, but they showed me the article and they said, do I have a response? And I gave a response. I guess it wasn't strong. Uh, I didn't get it to him in time, but hopefully it'll be in there. One of the things they said you should have followed up when he said Joe Biden took bribe, bribes. And I said, well, I did. He says, listen, I don't have proof of it yet, but I believe Joe Biden took bribes. I'm going, wait a second. The Washington Post. Those are the ones who had no curiosity about the laptop. They had no curiosity about all these other about all these other meetings that Joe Biden took place in. They had no question about Devin Archer. They have no they have no uh, eyebrows raised over the twenty phone calls that Joe Biden made over the course of ten years in the middle of business meetings. And they're worried about one follow up that I that didn't have in their book. I'm astounded by that. Well, not to mention you've got multiple on the record sources. Think about how the Washington Post trafficked. In disinformation yeah. for years where they would quote anonymous officials who repeatedly lied about this crazy conspiracy theory that Donald Trump didn't really win the 2016 election. He stole it by colluding with Russia to uh, yeah, to, to undermine our entire election process. They went with anonymous sources for that. They never had any actual evidence to support it, and they went crazy with it. Here you have multiple firsthand sources talking about bribes. You also have multiple sourcing showing that even beyond some of the bribery allegations, you have money going to people close to the Biden family, including Hunter Biden, for the purpose of getting them out of legal trouble. Then you have Joe Biden on tape bragging that he got the guy who was looking into Burisma fired. So he, this is all firsthand. It's not hearsay. It's not anonymous sourcing. And for the Washington Post to act like they that this doesn't meet their standard when it's so much of a better sourcing than what they went with for years is ridiculous. I mean, number one, they came out, was it six months after the election? So the more we look at it, I guess the laptop is valid. And was it six months or was it a year? I think it was over a so year. So right there, they should have apologized along with that to say all those other stories that we wrote. And uh, I guess and all social media came to uh, shelve and discredit. All those things just got reversed when Joe Biden takes office. And they, I believe, Molly, thought this whole thing was going to go away. Well, they do have a lot of control to make things go away. I mean, it sounds already like you have a much higher view of the Washington Post than I do. I'm not surprised at all that they would react this way to your explosive interview with Shokin, which the fact that they didn't go interview Shokin when they were writing about him is appalling. This is the Washington Post owned by the world, one of the world's wealthiest men. They have resources. They would put 20 people on like Sarah Palin's garbage can and like 400 people to like investigate the price of hamburgers at Trump restaurants. But they don't have anyone to check out whether when Joe Biden said, oh, no, I fired the guy that the people who were paying my son wanted fired for good reasons, not bad, that they wouldn't look into that is so typical of their corruption. And, you know, they they didn't look because they didn't want to find answers. They were wanting to impeach the former president. They were wanting to help Joe Biden. And that is what they're continuing to do. What do you think this will yield? The Southeastern Legal Foundation has put in a Freedom of Information Act back in 2022 to try to get the emails regarding the pseudo names that Joe Biden was using as vice president, uh, which were uh, Robin Ware and Robert L. Peters, they said, can we have all the emails that these people, which was Joe Biden, sent out? 
And it turns out they go, it's going to take us a little while after dragging their feet. We have 5,400 of these. 5,400. I don't think I send 5,000 emails a year. He's sending it under a myriad of aliases. Well, was, re- was receiving think? information from people under those aliases as well. Clearly, we have now understanding what the Biden family business is. You pay the Biden family in exchange for favors that the U.S. government is able to provide because of who Joe Biden is and who he's close to. He's, it's in essence, then the head of the business. You had Devin Archer testifying to that effect, saying the whole business was the brand and the brand was Joe Biden. So this was the means by which they would connect powerful foreign oligarchs in China, in Russia, in Ukraine, in Romania, in many countries, uh, and how they would get what they wanted done through access to this powerful figure. I was watching the Washington Post. This one columnist was on a podcast over the weekend, and they said, well, how do you explain Joe Biden calling in or showing up at these business meetings? He goes, because a father wants to keep in touch with his son every day. Uh, and calls in and he happens to be in a meeting, that's a problem? Are you crazy? Um, Since when, if you're in the middle of a business meeting, you get a call from your dad, dad, I'll call you later. But unless you want to be in that meeting and sit in those meetings and only talk about the weather. That's what I was going to say. I think we've learned a lot about President Biden. We didn't know until this moment that he has a very serious interest in meteorology. Yes. And these foreign oligarchs also had interest in meteorology. And so we hadn't contemplated that. So I think that's another very right. good explanation for Again, why he was doing business. You were way. able to game plan this out in a way I wasn't able to. That's my bad. What about this out, this revelation that David Weiss seemed to have communicated with the attorney general's office, Merrick Garland's office, when it came to things like how do I handle different press stories or inquiries? It seems there was a regular dialogue between the two when he said David Weiss was acting on his own. Yeah, this is the big problem for Merrick Garland and David Weiss. They both were claiming that he was so independent that he wasn't working in conjunction with the Department of Justice, with Joe Biden's Department of Justice. We already know that David Weiss was basically where investigations went to die. There were all these credible claims of bribery, not from Shokin, who you talked to, but from other people, other confidential human sources saying that there were bribes. Bribes involving the Biden family and Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company. They sent that to David Weiss. It should have been investigated, and instead it was killed. These you know, uh, IRS whistleblowers, they were shocked and appalled when they learned that there was information that they could have run down as part of their investigation into the Biden family business. They were never told anything about it. So what Weiss and Garland told Congress is now being blown up as these emails show that they were coordinating. How's Robert Hur's investigation into Joe Biden's uh, classified documents? I'm sorry, who? Sorry. Have yes. you heard it? Have they been able to I just it? I just find it funny. It's nuts. When there are special counsels put against Republicans, they they have a direct line to the Washington Post or the New York Times where things get leaked that aren't even accurate in order to color what public perception is. Robert Hur is supposedly investigating the Joe, Joe Biden's mishandling of classified documents, not a single leak to their allies at The Washington Post or New York Times. And remember, some of what was handled by Joe Biden was handled while he was a senator. So, you know, when you're president, you actually are able to handle classified documents. And this is why, historically speaking, we have never used our legal process to go after presidents for having classified documents, whether it was Bill Clinton in the sock drawer, whether it's Barack Obama, who's still in disputes with the National Archives over some of the classified documents he has. We're going after Donald Trump now 
um, even though we've never done it about other people. But Joe Biden has stuff dating to his time as Senate when you don't have the right to actually handle classified documents at your home. Right. Uh, how long does it take? Say it's, we're just making through it. We're not close to being done. How long does it take to go through these documents? If they're in your possession, you have them all there. Go through them. I mean, you got Delaware University of Delaware. You got his house. And then you got his lawyer's office in Boston. So that's where the consolidation of paperwork is. It's not an active investigation. No one's standing in your way. You don't have to wait for any Freedom of Information Act. I think what takes time is figuring out how to let him go without charging him with anything. I mean, it would be a nightmare. Like the five years for Hunter Biden. Right. Yeah. You let all the you let everything kind of run out. You let things you know, you hope that maybe he leaves office and you don't have to worry about it or something like that. So that's where we're at right now. We're not talking about things that really affect the American people, the economy. We're not talking about China and what we're going to do to start picking up the pace on our on our uh, shipbuilding and our weapons. Uh, you know, the, the Pentagon budget. We used to debate these things. How much should we give defense? How much should we do this? We are going from one investigation to the other over the last few years. In a way, these are proxy arguments for those things, though. In Washington, D.C., things are going very well. For Washington, D.C. They like how things are run when they're in charge. They like where money is going. They like how all of that is happening. They don't really care about China that much. They might give a little lip service to it. What they want to do is prevent anybody who has different ideas about how we run our wars, about how we handle China, about how we handle our border. They want to keep those people from coming into office. These investigations and prosecutions or lack thereof are a means to keep the right people in control and the wrong people out of control. Do you believe that the Democrats cannot feel good about their situation right now with the current president? He is declining before our eyes. He has not really got his reelection campaign going until this week. They say that they're beginning to staff now. The vice president has been an epic fail. And now you have Governor Newsom about to debate Governor DeSantis with Sean Hannity as moderator. And now they evidently they're aggravated that Newsom is doing this, especially the vice president. One thing I think people need to realize, though, is that Democrats don't really run campaigns anymore. They run ballot operations. What they want is to get the right number of ballots into the ballot box. So they have changed from doing rallies and persuasion campaigns into just making sure they're harvesting ballots in the right way. And so it doesn't really matter who Do you, you think run. if you had a better candidate, you would still feel that way? If you had a candidate with energy that had charisma like a Clinton uh, would would you still say that? To be clear, a Bill Clinton, I assume. Bill, yeah, yeah not Hillary's terrible. <laughs> um, no, it would be much easier to run their operations. But I think you know they've run Fetterman, they've run Katie Hobbs. These are bad candidates. Terrible. They've run Joe Biden, horrible candidate in many ways, and it didn't matter because they were so focused on just getting the ballots through. They don't really care if the voters are persuaded or if they're excited. Now, I will say it'll be a lot harder for them to run that same operation in 2024 than they did in 2020, not just because Republicans have kind of woken up to this ballot harvesting scheme, uh, and so they're willing to compete in against them that way, but also because they won't be able to, for instance, suppress the story of the Biden family corruption. There will probably be an impeachment. It will be very hard to deny reality there. Well, what is the difference? I don't know the answer to this between an impeachment inquiry and just an impeachment. Do you know? Yeah, well, the in- inquiry is like leading up to the impeachment and it enables you to get a lot of information from a lot of different people. But you wouldn't to decide- get it if you're just running an investigation in a committee? Like, yeah, you get you get extra powers. I'm not sure exactly right. how it works, but yeah. I mean, because I think they're frustrated with they can't get anything in timely fashion about anything. 
about the banks. The banks aren't cooperating. Archives isn't cooperating. They eventually get stuff. And not just that, but they can't get corporate media to cover things honestly and accurately. And that is something that will definitely change with an impeachment inquiry or impeachment. They will have to actually cover some of this stuff, even even if what they're trying to do is make it all go away. They'll have to actually address it finally. When we come back, uh, what the judge said yesterday about the Trump trial when it comes to uh, January 6th. What it means that it's the day before Super Tuesday and what we, what we can expect down the line. Molly Hemingway examined some of that with me and what the president may, may or may, not, may or may not be able to get done. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Learning something new every day on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. These trial dates also are going to move. It's unrealistic, it's theatrics, and no judge is going to say that you can be on two trials at once in two different states because a lot of these overlap. They look at the start date of the trial, but these are four to six week trials at the uh, least. Mm -hmm. So there's no way they're not going to overlap. I mean, they're going to have to go into October, November of next year, again, by design. Alina uh, Hava, who's a lawyer herself, but it's kind of the spokesperson for all the Trump trials. She noted she's commenting on the fact that March 4th is going to be the case on January 6th that Jack Smith is bringing forward. Uh, Jack Smith wanted that the first week in January. The president wanted in 2026. And the judge says, no, March 4th. You know what March 5th is, Molly Hemingway? Super Tuesday. So let's make sure he's in a courtroom on the 4th. But politics has nothing to do with this. Well, this judge in D.C. is notorious for being quite political. But I think what everyone needs to realize, this is a show trial. It is being brought in D.C. precisely for the purpose of getting a quick conviction. And nothing here is surprising. This is not about rule of law. This is not about being a country where... Uh, where we don't go after political opponents. This is about getting quick convictions and not, you know, I heard people say this is election meddling. This is election rigging. This is brazen and overt election rigging on the part of Democrats. So it takes three to four weeks, they say, these trials. He's going to have to sit there uh, through Super Tuesday. You know, you got to assume. And then after three or four weeks, if he gets convicted, does he go to jail? I mean, I think the real goal of this, well, first of all, yes, this D.C. has been jailing everybody for everything, you know, even remotely similar to to these issues that are being litigated here. But the real goal is to get certain states to have a pretense of an excuse to remove him from the ballot, which would not just take Donald Trump off the ballot in certain states. It would also harm the prospects of the entire Republican Party in that state. And you're so, talking about the 14th Amendment. Yes, they have this uh, very curious and creative reading that is highly opposed by actual constitutional lawyers on the 14th Amendment. But the idea would be just to also get the ball rolling so that secretaries of state in very far left states such as California could come up with some reason to keep him off the ballot, thereby hurting not just his prospects, not that he really would ever win California, but you know, you have – how many, like 14 Republicans in the House in California, it would make it a lot harder for them to win. It would make it harder for Republicans to win state or local office in California. It's really a kill shot against the entire Republican Party, and that is why so many people are alarmed by it. But I just don't think they would have predicted with these indictments that President 
Trump would still be beating him head-to-head by a couple of points, and number two, winning by 30, 40 points against other Republicans. Do you? I you think don't. That they planned that. You think they thought that he was powerful enough to win with these ninety-eight counts? I actually think their big goal really is to put him in prison. They hate him. They are consumed with hatred for this man and for everything that he supports and represents. They are livid. They're not acting in a very rational fashion. It's like all they're actually thinking about is getting their enemy in prison. But it's not surprising that the result is that a lot of Americans are seeing the corruption of Democrats, whether they're at Department of Justice or Fannie Willis or Alvin Bragg here in New York. They're seeing the corruption. It clarifies a lot of the issues for the Republican voter, which does view Democrats' assault on the rule of law as a very motivating issue. It's embodied by Trump. You actually have no doubt whether he represents what you think about this issue because he's being personally persecuted for what for standing up against the ruling regime. So it's not totally surprising that he's solidifying his support. I guess we'll see where it goes. Uh, we know that uh, he's still got a substantial lead, that he, they, according to one poll, he lost a couple of points. you think anything gets him to debate, go to the second debate, Molly? Uh, possibly. It also showed that the second place now grew from two people to four people. So, um, What do you mean? They're, they're catching to DeSantis? Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, we'll see. DeSantis has a chance to shine with, a, uh, with another catastrophe with this hurricane. Molly Hemingway, thank you. Thank you. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. They were walking out to the press conference and I said, no, I said, I'm not we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid at the time. Uh, really? Okay. Uh, that was Joe Biden. And a man, does he wish he could take back those comments, I believe? Because since that time, people have asked themselves, what was really going on there? Since when can you use American dollars, American aid, and act like it's your own and hold it over somebody's head? Upon further review, when he came back and said, you know, the president said, if he wanted to finish that sentence, maybe he said, President Obama expected you to give this to us. You not hold it over our heads. Why would you do that? And it turns out he had felt as though he had control of it. Well, I had a chance to interview the prosecutor, uh, Shokin, and get his point of view. And he says he was actually pursuing Burisma for corruption. And he said that he was put there by Pershenko as a favor after he came out of retirement to do it. And it was Joe Biden that told Pershenko, you're going to get you better fire him or or you don't get the money. So he got fired and no one's really talked to him since he's been somewhat in isolation. And when the White House did respond, one of the people they brought up to say that Shokin is no good. And this investigation that Fox is doing is always uh, yields nothing, just like Ron Johnson's investigation when the senator from Wisconsin was chairman of his senatorial committee when they had the majority. So let's bring in Senator Ron Johnson. Senator, uh, what is your take on being derided by the from the White House when your name was even brought up? Well, good morning, Brian. Well, I'm not uh, President Biden's favorite senator. Well, let's put it that way. So uh, he'll do anything he can when he has an opportunity to uh, denigrate me. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is uh, you know, the, the Biden crime family are corrupt. And it's becoming more and more obvious. It's been obvious to me for years. It's uh, 
unbelievably frustrating to uh, see so much that the Senator Grassley and I uncovered. You know, now it's starting starting to be reported in uh, some news outlets, mainly conservative outlets. But uh, but I've known this for a year. But j- just to put this in all in perspective, in June of 2015, you know, Shokin was fired in early 2016. June 2015, Victoria Newland, who was the Assistant Secretary of State for Europe, serving under Kerry, on behalf of Kerry, wrote to Victor Shokin, the new Prosecutor General, in glowing terms, saying he was doing a fabulous yep. job. And and then the Ambassador Pyatt hand-delivered that letter. Uh, a few months later, Ambassador Pyatt, because the entire U.S. policy toward Ukraine was focusing on helping them rid the country of just endemic corruption. And uh, he gave a speech. He, he called out Burisma as one of the corrupt companies. And the result of that is Shokin, whether he was investigating before or after, redoubled their efforts and began to vigorously investigate Burisma. So, again, I don't have I don't have the emails to back up my next statements, but you can just imagine a Burisma starts putting pressure on Hunter Biden, who they're paying you know, millions of dollars for protection money to say, hey, take care of this. And on a dime, and by the way, this caught the State Department completely off guard. You, we've got a chain of emails now been released uh, where a Ukrainian official is contacting Ambassador Pike going, hey, what, what's what's the deal here? We're, you're going to be holding up a billion dollars of loan guarantees. You know, what, what's pulling off here? And Ambassador Pyatt writes to Eric Chiaramella and other people in the State Department, buckle in. I mean, they were all caught off guard. Eric Chiaramella, if you remember that name from the impeachment, was also completely caught off guard. They thought Shokin was doing a good job. And U.S. policy, led by Vice President Biden at the time, all of a sudden turned on a dime. Gee, I wonder why that is. I mean, again, it's so obvious, except it's not obvious to the mainstream media. Here's what Shokin said to me, cut 11. I have no doubt that there were illegal activities engaged in by uh, Burisma. As a matter of fact, the criminal case had been started before me. It continued to expand, and Wachevsky, who at the time held the post of minister and was the founder and CEO of uh, Burisma, started bringing in people who could provide protection for him. Hunter Biden was uh, among them. And the corruption network expanded as a result. So, yes, to answer your question, there, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that Burisma was engaged in illegal activities. And they said he was not looking into him, but he says he was looking into him, and that is the reason why he was fired. Uh, and he went on to say this about Hunter Biden, cut 12. I do not want to deal in unproven facts, but my firm personal conviction is that, yes, this was the case. They were being bribed. The fact that Joe Biden gave away $1 billion in uh, U.S. uh, money in exchange for my dismissal, my firing, isn't that alone a case of corruption? And I'll put that to you. Isn't that, Senator? Yes, again, it's been obvious. Let's go back in time and talk about other facts. So 2014, February, had the Revolution of Dignity in Ukraine. Two months later, Devin Archer meets with Vice President Biden in the White House. A couple of days before Biden goes to Ukraine as is dubbed the point person for the Obama administration in Ukraine. A day after that, Devin Archer joins the board of Burisma. A few days after that, the uh, U.K., Britain seizes about $20 million of assets of Lochesky, the owner, the corrupt oligarch of the corrupt oil company Burisma, 
a few weeks after that, Hunter Biden joins the board of Burisma. They knew exactly how corrupt Burisma was. It was public information. Uh, obviously, the, the ambassador Pyatt knew that because he's calling out Burisma in a speech uh, you know, over a year later. So the Bidens, they've always known. I mean, just like uh, with Patrick Ho, the 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 blank, the blank spy chief of China that paid Hunter Biden a million dollars when he was arrested on money laundering charges, which he was convicted of, by the way. So the Bidens are sleazy, okay? They've always known the people they're dealing with. Now, now it, it's interesting that Miranda, uh, actually it's Joe uh, Sperry, Paul Sperry in Real Clear Politics, is talking about uh, an individual that's being interviewed on the uh, classified documents case that was caught up in the Clinton Chinagate fundraising scandal. And these, these, this is an individual that Hunter Biden's been dealing with for years when he apparently had connection with the Commerce Department. So the connections are being made. They've been known for years. The Biden crime family is corrupt. The media ought to know about this. But again, they, they got Joe Biden, who campaigned from his basement, elected president. They're going to continue to cover up for him till the very last. Let me tell you, do you tell me if you think this is a bridge too far. Victor Shokin was asked about the impact of Biden having the portfolio and being in charge of U.S. relations with Ukraine at a very tenuous time. Cut 14. It is public knowledge. Uh, everybody knows that it was because of uh, Joe Biden's actions that uh, Russia was able to claim Crimea without firing a single shot, uh, which, of course, eventually led to a full-scale war that is currently uh, underway. And uh, I do talk uh, about this uh, in my book. But yes, the damage has been done. Well, I mean, that's a big leap. I asked him to substantiate. He couldn't. Uh, yet, he said, but he believes, uh, and, and that's where I'll pursue if, if I get a follow-up interview, he believes all of this and the U.S. role there allowed Crimea to be taken, maybe sending mixed signals to Russia. Well, again, it, it's specu- speculation. Nobody knows. But we know that Joe Biden was given these portfolios, and we also now know the National Archives are now reporting that they have 5,400 emails of Joe Biden's where he used his pseudonym. And, and by the way, I and Senator Grassley wrote to the White House counsel back in 2021, three times plus National Archives, on these pseudonyms that uh, Joe Biden is using, using a private email server, which violates the Federal Records Act, which Vice President Biden knew full well because Hillary Clinton had an email scandal because she was using a private email server for her official business. So again, th- I mean, this is, such a level of corruption, it is just jaw-dropping. But what's so frustrating to me is I've known about this. I've been trying to get this out for years. And, of course, Senator Grassley in my report was termed Russian disinformation, like we were soliciting, disseminating Russian disinformation back in 2020. That's been their playbook. So in the in the response that they gave me with the Shokin interview, they say Senator Johnson and other Senate Republicans in the Senate, uh, in the Ukraine caucus, sent a letter to President Poroshenko saying, we similarly urge you to press ahead with urgent reforms to the prosecutor general's office and judiciary. Is that true? Yeah, but understand how that, how that uh, letter gets uh, prompted. There was a firing of somebody else in the, in the government, and the Ukraine process led by Dick Durbin and Rob Portman. They probably get a call from the State Department, hey, we need reinforcement to, again, uh, put pressure on Ukraine to keep going down the road of uh, anti-corruption. 
So, I mean, it's, that's just a run-of-the-mill letter. You, you notice I, at that point in time, I'm sure I didn't even know who Victor Shokin was. And if you're going to fight corruption in right. Ukraine, it's going to focus on the prosecutor general office. Who, and by the way, when I was there after the Zelensky inauguration, I, spent, I sat down and had lunch with the new prosecutor general who didn't want the job because corruption is so endemic. And he described what corruption is. Right. So there's 20,000 20, prosecutors. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. Brian Kilmeade. Uh, listen, uh, we're about to do a simulcast on FBN, but I want everybody to stay on the line because they usually leave some air at the back end with Stuart Varney. They have to get out sooner than we do, so I'll be able to squeeze in your call. So, Alex and Tom, uh, hang in there. Uh, we're gonna. I don't know if you know. Over the weekend, if you if you missed yesterday's show, I was able to go to the Messi game uh, when uh, Leo, uh, Leo Messi played against the Red Bulls, best player in the world. And of course, Stuart's a big soccer guy. Where I am sitting right now. Here he is. All right, Brian. Welcome to the program. Good to see you back. A judge just dismissed the lawsuit filed by sorority sisters at the University of Wyoming. They tried to block a biological male transitioning to a woman from joining the program. The judge said the court will not define a woman today. What's your reaction? It's it's so disappointing and ridiculous. These judges should be embarrassed. Of course, a transitional male should not be in a sorority. And of course, the other way around, too, uh, with a fraternity. We all know this. The same thing with sports. And plus, you know, like it or not, people decide whether you're in the fraternity or sorority. How many people do you know pledge to either one of those? They don't get in. Well, maybe not you, Stuart. Uh, because all your friends always get in. But for the most part, I can't tell you many people say, yeah, I went to Penn State, I pledged a bunch of fraternities, didn't get in, and they were men going to a fraternity or a sorority going to a sorority. They should be able to make a choice. They have to go litigiously. And does this transitioned, however you say it, male, want to be involved in a sorority that doesn't want them? I mean, come on. It's yeah, ridiculous. Really? I want to ask you about the national soccer chief in, in Spain, Luis Robales. He kissed, as you know, Jenny Hermoso on the lips after Spain's victory in the World Cup. Spain's high court just launched an investigation into whether he committed an act of sexual aggression. Where do you stand? I know you, you love soccer like I do. Where do you stand on this? It's amazing that uh, this overwhelmed Spain winning the World Cup. And it, it's become the number one story again. Uh, something else to sideline. The, the big story is the U.S. gets ousted in the, uh, in the knockout round, and Spain prevails. First time they win a Women's World Cup. I mean, should he have done it? No. Did he apologize? Yes. Does it need to be an international scandal and an investigation, possibly re- revolting in a resignation? To me, no. I mean, I, I don't, I, again, astounding. Inappropriate? Absolutely. But yep. please let me tell you, that, uh, the last time you went to... Uh, uh, a sporting event, a celebration, you think, well, that was appropriate. A lot of times people go a little bit crazy. I remember Deion Sanders and Tim McCarver. I could go back and forth with things happen. I remember Megan Rapino at the Canyon of Heroes uh, cursing every other word with front of children. You know, do you need to launch a big investigation? He kissed her on the lips and he shouldn't have. Close, case closed. Decide what you want to do. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Uh, I know you're, you are a big soccer fan, and you got to see uh, Messi mania firsthand in New Jersey. Okay, great reporting, Brian. My question is, 
Is Messi going to upgrade the quality of Major League Soccer? I don't, I don't think there's any question because, I mean, he turned down oh, a myriad of offers to do it, including Saudi, who offered him basically $700 million to play. He's playing for, at minimum, $50 million for two years, two and a half years here. He's 36 years old, the reigning World Cup MVP on the World Cup champion. So you can't say a washed-up star comes to the MLS, but maybe Rooney had seen better days. And perhaps Beckham at 32 came here. At 32 years old, you're not a washed-up midfielder. He was still maybe top 10 in the world at the time, but he doesn't score. The average non-soccer fan like you, you don't need to see a score to see great playing. But the average sports fan goes, how come it was only one nothing? Don't tell me it was a great game. Meanwhile, this guy's got 11 goals in 11 games, yeah. and he's been electric on the field. The times he misses has been almost sensational as the time he hits. And you notice the stars are coming out to watch him. You saw LeBron James there. You see all these celebrities here. And you also see the, the story um, uh, of people being more and more interested, non-soccer fans, watching yes. the English Premier League. They're yes, just watching it like right. non-football players watch American football. I, was, I would say that soccer is the up-and-coming sport in America today. Well, this, these franchises, only a handful make money. But they are average worth $300 million. So $300 million. Because, number one, if you look at Nashville, they're selling up 50-plus thousand. You look at Atlanta, selling up 50-plus thousand. Portland, nonstop sellouts. Seattle, nonstop sellouts. Cincinnati has been off to an incredible start. Miami's been struggling. Not anymore. They are 14 yeah. points out of a playoff spot. Now they're 12 points out of a playoff spot. One player brings a coach and some supporting players and it revamps everything. Now, why the Red Bulls aren't using some of that Red Bull money yeah. to yeah. get Ronaldo or somebody Come else on. here? Yeah, because right in. now there's very little interest. They get 9,000 yeah. in New Jersey. Right. Soccer's on the up and up, and we both love it. Brian, out of time, but thanks for being with us. Soon you'll get soon. Stuart Varney to a game. That'll be big. <laughs> Next case, still ahead. All right, uh, let's go out to Alex in Brooklyn, New York. Hey, Alex. Hey, good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking the call. And by the way, I love soccer. I just think it's it's never going to really make it here in the United States because it's just too slow of a game. And, you know, the American people don't have that much patience. You mean the, uh, with ba- compare it to points. baseball, Alex? Baseball's the slowest game ever, even with the improvements. Yeah, but baseball has more things going on. You have the hitter, you watch him hit. You have the pitcher, there's things moving. And, you know, with soccer, it's the ball going back and forth, the same moves the whole time. And until you actually score, I love the game, I love to play it, but watching it is pretty boring, I'd say. Uh, That's my opinion. But uh, I think that Trump should be really happy about the court date set for him on March 4th, a day before Super Tuesday, because it's definitely going to help him win and be the nominee. And, you know, people are saying the Democrats are stupid. They don't know what they're doing. The thing is they do know what they're doing. And this is election interference in the primary because they want him to be the nominee because they think he's the most beatable in a general election because Democratic voters hate him. So it's interference in the primary to make him the nominee. It's also interference in the general election to build up hatred against Trump and turn him into a criminal with independence and say, hey, look, he has all of these indictments. Uh, so I think we've got to be a little smarter. You know, we may be smarter than the Dems, but they're not stupid. They see that Trump's polls are going up with Republicans. So it's pretty clear they want to be the nominee. Hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know if there's a grand plan. But if you told me that a guy could be indicted four times on 98 total counts and still be number one, 
That would surprise me. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade is the guy with the deep voice, Ed. Curtis Lewa coming up at the bottom of the hour. He's got arrested three times over the last two weeks for a good reason. Uh, we are being overwhelmed by illegal immigrants, and they're taking over our facilities, our gyms, our hotels. We're paying a ton of money for them, billions of dollars for it, and it's infringing on neighborhoods. It's not a put-down of these individuals. If I had a chance to go to America, I understand it. But there's a right way to do things, and there's a wrong way. And they're doing it the wrong way, and it's overwhelming New York City more than anything else. And I come to you from 48th and 6th. Uh, we're going to talk to Curtis. And in a matter of moments, retired General Philip Breedlove is going to be with us. He is the uh, former Supreme Alley Commander of NATO, Distinguished Professor and CETS uh, Senior Fellow in Sam Nunn School of International Affairs at Georgia Tech. But he, like me and many of you who care about the outcome of the Ukraine-Russia conflict that Russia started and solely responsible for, is just enraged by how we're slow-walking material that's not expensive and military equipment that could change this war. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We've had a fantastic response. I mean, truly, I think in the first 72 hours, we raised a million dollars. We've had a lot of people um, join the campaign. The phones are still ringing. I mean, we're absolutely grateful, but it only keeps us more motivated because we have a country to save. There you go, Nikki Haley, 2024. Trump drops after missing the debate. Haley and Pence on the rise. DeSantis leaves the campaign trail to do something more important. First, represent uh, his state in the Jacksonville horrific shooting. And now in the Florida hurricane that's about to slam tomorrow, he is putting on the windbreaker and doing his thing. Number two. Hunter Biden is reportedly selling art. I hear your question. We know got a job from the Biden administration. Can you guarantee that there is I no hear, quid I hear your one? question. I'm not going to get involved in this. That is a question for Hunter Biden's representatives. No, it isn't. Uh, it's for you, but you don't answer anything. Hunter's hijinks from Biden's shady business deals to the investigation surrounding it. Clearly, the White House plan is to slow it all down until the election's over. Number one. These trial dates also are going to move. It's unrealistic. It's theatrics. And no judge is going to say that you can be on two trials at once in two different states because a lot of these overlap. They do. Uh, Lena Haber representing Trump's legal team. No coincidence. The Trump on trial show has a start date right before Super Tuesday. We'll review the timeline. Uh, one thing that we've been focusing on, uh, the Ukraine, the politics of it, and who's going to fund it. What about the actual war itself? The It's been a lot harder, this counteroffensive, to get done because we have not provided the F-16s, F-15s or 16s to the Ukrainians. It's a lot harder for the Ukrainians to make progress because we don't provide a lot of the demining um, uh, military equipment to allow them to go through these fields. Instead, they wait for night to fall and they got hand shovels and have to dig them out. And one person is also incensed by the slow walking of things like uh, uh, the attackums is retired General Philip Breedlove, and he joins us now. Uh, General, welcome back. Good morning. Good to talk to you. Uh, first off, your your reaction. I mean, we've given a lot, and people listening go, well, haven't we given enough? But we have not done anything in a timely fashion, and nor we're just too risk-adverse to allow the Ukrainians to be successful and go out and win this thing. 
Well, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, we do need to remember and be thankful for everything that we have done and the American taxpayer has done for Ukraine because it is a lot. But if you look at it, Brian, what we've had mostly given to them are very defensive weapons. And the things that might be seen as a little more offensive, we have been very reticent to give them. And when we actually, when we commit to give them to them, we slow walk it to death. In fact, how many American tanks, U.S. M1A3 tanks, are in Ukraine? Zero. Right. And how long ago did we promise we were going to do that? We've been talking about aircraft capability since before the war started. I was one of the first voices that actually called for combat air patrol. We call it CAP and other things to help them while we got their aircraft or their air forces cranked up. And here we are a year and a third into the war, and we still don't have fourth-generation Western airplanes flying for Ukraine. And so – yeah. It's a real reticence to provide these capabilities. So, you know, you say we got to attack them. Uh, that would would penetrate deep into the uh, to, to Russia's reserves and uh, that are they're gumming up these lines because they moved out of the distance of high Mars. And we can put 3000 attack right in there. And you said they're they're fired off the same launches as the high Mars. So they'd be ready to go. And, you know, the Ukraine gets the most of the equipment we give them. That would affect the battlefield. Why are we using why are the warthogs? They're just sitting evidently in Nevada. Why are we giving them the warthogs? And why is it that the Marines no longer need their tanks? That's not part of their mission. Why can't we get them some of them? So, so far be it for me to correct you because you're an, an incredibly intelligent man. But HIMARS is actually the name of the system the system that shoots the missiles. We've been giving them uh, Gimler's missiles, which are the shorter versions that go on the HIMARS. And you're exactly right. The ATACMs also go on the HIMARS, and they are readily uh, uh, launchable. I mean, this is something that would take hours and days to incorporate in their capability as opposed to days and weeks. And we haven't given them this capability. One of the reasons, I believe, is because there are many, including those in Ukraine, who believe that we need to uh, take uh, Crimea back. I don't personally believe we need to put foot soldiers on the ground there yet, but if we gave Ukraine the ATACMS missile, that length, that precision, and that increased striking power would make Crimea untenable for the Russians. And frankly, I think that's what our government is afraid of. There are all kinds of reasons, quote-unquote, out there that we're not giving them the attack-ups. I don't think any of them are the true reason. The true reason is we're afraid of what might result if the Ukrainians were to make Crimea untenable. Wow. Uh, so in, in other words, for Ukraine to get their own land back, they're afraid that the, that would be a bridge too far for the Russians who just stole it in 2014? Yeah, here's the bottom line. I think that we are uh, – what we're watching is that Putin's army is failing him in the field. 
strategic defeat north of Kiev, strategic defeat north of Kharkiv, now an operational almost strategic defeat in the south vicinity Kherson. And so the army is failing, Mr. Putin, and it's beginning to fall back even further. But what is working for Mr. Putin is his war of intimidation, his war of words, his his war of what we call in military parlance deterrence. That is succeeding wildly for him. I believe that many of the decisions we make about slow-walking capabilities and things are because we do not want Ukraine to succeed handily because we're afraid. We have taken counsel of our fears as to what happens with widening the war and nuclear issues, and so we are deterred. So uh, we're talking with uh, four-star general uh, Philip Breedlove, uh, now retired. He used to run NATO, Supreme Allied Commander. Another person who used to do that is Admiral James Stavridis, I'm sure a friend of yours. He said, yes, we are, quote, we are seeing a dangerous potential precedent in not being more aggressively contesting Russians' de facto maritime control of a large swath of international waters in the Black Sea. He argued that NATO ships should start escorting merchant ships carrying food and fuel and that the alliance should keep combat aircraft on constant patrol over the Black Sea. Do you agree? Absolutely. Jim's absolutely correct. We have ceded not only water space but airspace since the Russians knocked our reconnaissance uh, drone down. We have moved back. And, and ceded, given back to Russia, what used to be international air and water space. Before this war, we routinely accomplished missions called FON, Freedom of Navigation. We sailed and flew in international airspaces in the Black Sea to show that they were that, international airspaces. We have ceded those airspaces and those water spaces to Russia. Unbelievable. While they're harassing our uh, fighter jets in Syria, this is crazy. I mean, we look so weak. I must tell you, though, it's fairly evident if you're watching what's happening since our F-35s got into theater, Russia has backed off a bit in Syria because we now have an amazing capability there to uh, to fix that problem. And what does that tell if, you, General? What does that tell if you? If we had had the policy. Sorry for interrupting. No, 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 no problem. But what does that tell you? I'm just a civilian and just you're, – you're the expert. This is what you've done your whole career. But if we put all this money into our defense, at least we should not be acquiescing everywhere. We shouldn't be bullies, but we should be we should be strong. And to say you're going to deny these developing countries grain they need to survive is enough for a humanitarian basis to escort that grain out of Ukraine. There's a lot we could be doing. I think I would just call back, remember the promises that our government has made at the highest levels to the Ukrainians. And I'll, I'll be bad in paraphrasing, but we said we're going to give them everything they need. And we said we're going to be there for as long as it takes. Those are both incomplete sentences to me. A military planner needs more, like this. We're going to be there as long as it takes to defeat the Russian forces and expel them from sovereign Ukraine land. Now I have something to plan against. 
And so we have given, again, we need to be thankful for what American taxpayers are doing for Ukraine. But we also need to be intellectually honest. If we were just to say, what would we, the United States, need if we were in that area, we would need a minimum of battlefield air superiority, and no army is going to go to battle without its long-range artillery. Brian, when was the last time that an American soldier, sailor, airman, or Marine died to enemy fixed-wing attack? I don't know. Do you know? No. April 1953. Since that portion of the Korean War, we have guaranteed at minimum of battlefield air superiority over our troops. So now we're expecting to go Ukraine to defeat Russia without that. We have not given them what they needed to make battlefield air superiority. And I would tell you this, if we told the American military that it had to go to Ukraine and fight Russia without its long-range artillery, there would be heads exploding. People would be so crazy over that. We do not go to war without our long-range artillery, but we are expecting Ukraine to do that. I think that we need to re-examine how we're fulfilling our promises. So the thing is, too, to I understand when you say, well, I'll stay there as long as it takes. That's also something the Ukrainians don't want to hear because they're losing so much daily. Not uh, their, their cities are being destroyed by these drones and on a daily basis. Moscow is barely being touched. So they don't care about their people and they'll expend all types of, uh, uh, of money to do this. But Ukraine is the one losing a lot of its infrastructure. You're exactly right. I mean, look at the pictures of Mariupol. uh, And I would never want to invoke such terrible things. But if you look at some of the uh, results after uh, the bombings in Japan in uh, World War II or the fire bombings in Germany during World War II, Mariupol is as bad or worse. Russia completely destroyed and leveled that town. And you remember, even the the women's hospital was hit while the women were in it. So this is, you know, Russia has unleashed an unholy, unimaginable, illegal war, and we should help the Ukrainian people defend against it. So tell me how significant it is that uh, the town called uh, Robotine, is now been liberated from Russian grasp and how close they're getting to some other significant sites. Can you tell me an idea of the type of progress they seem to slowly be making? Yes. So, you know, there's all this criticism out there by people who want to quit supporting Ukraine. They're saying they're not doing enough. They haven't moved. This this offensive has failed. And um, And what we see is exactly the opposite. Uh, You know, those people expected banners in the air and sabers forward and this lightning charge. They have no idea what modern warfare is about or like. What we see is uh, Ukraine slowly advancing against an enemy that that had three months to prepare. Read about the Battle of Kursk in, in Russia. One of the major problems the Germans faced were landmines. And now we gave Russia three months to put down tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of mines in this area that now Ukraine's got to go through. But 
they are making their way through it. And the significance, as you ask, is that they are moving steadily towards the coastline. And when and if they cut that land bridge to Crimea, and then we can get the, the Ukrainians can get the artillery close enough to range steadily on the, the uh, Kerch Strait Bridge, then we can physically cut off Russia from Crimea and all manner of good things will begin to happen. Right. I mean, these guys fight like warriors. Just give them what they need to be successful. They'll do the rest and send a message to the rest of the world. Just let them win. Uh, General Breedlove, I hear your frustration and we'll continue to press because we know politics is going to take a part in this. And soon it's going to be no longer politically advantageous to fund this this war. And that's what I worry about if it drags on. Thanks so much, General. Thank you. Good to talk to you again. one 408 Then at the bottom of the arrow, we go inside the illegal immigration, uh, overwhelming cities like New York City with Curtis Leewood. Don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I think the message from is get the shot if you want. I if will. If you want it, don't, go ahead. Don't get it. Where you don't get it. get another one. I just said I'm not going to ask anybody if they're it? getting their shot. Get, I won't wear a mask, but I'm going to get the shot. You are? How, what number shot is this for you? I've had it every t- So I'm, I'm <laughs> two, one in October. I have one in April. How many? What's the total? So this yeah. will be my seventh. Oh. <laughs> and I've had COVID three times. Coming up. <laughs> Unbelievable. Harold Ford, one of the great guys you'll ever meet. I cannot believe that he's gotten seven shots and they're about to push another. Uh, By the way, this news just came in. Steve Scalise has been diagnosed with blood cancer. He says it's very treatable. He is the House majority leader. He has had a low profile of late. I hear he has some friction with unrelated to McCarthy, but this could be another reason. He probably wasn't feeling good. And it's very treatable blood cancer. Well, we wish him the best. Thank goodness it's treatable. I mean, a couple of years ago, he was almost killed by being shot. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he's okay. But by the way, this is going to be the next story. They're going to start saying, you get the booster, you get the booster. Over at Rutgers, they're making kids uh, uh, get a shot to get on campus. It's happening across the country. They better not do it again. Plus, as Macari said, they just did a study. The masks, in only rare occasions, are they effective? So do not start making these eight-year-olds get these masks and know that there's very low risk for kids. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. No to Eric Adams. No to the tents. No to the migrants. No to the tents. No to the migrants. No to the judge. No to the migrants. The mayor has forsaken us. The governor has forsaken us. No joke. Uh, there's so much going on. The illegal immigration uh, flowing into New York City. Uh, over 100,000 people through, 60,000 still here, giving them, in some cases, three meals a day. We're giving them mini menus. We are doing their laundry, and now we're sending them to school. We have nowhere to put them, getting about 3,000 a week. And now uh, facilities in Staten Island and upstate New York are all being overwhelmed. We're beyond hotels. That has not slipped the... Uh, the grasp of Curtis Lewa. 
the founder of the Guardian Angels. He was uh, representing the he was a mayoral candidate. He had the Republican nomination and lost to Eric Adams. But there might be a rematch. Curtis, what prompted you to go from observer to to a blocker and activist on this issue? Well, number one, Brian, there will be a rematch. Get ready. Ali and Frazier, Thriller in Manila, the fans want it. The voters want me to run against Eric Adams again. Now, what prompted me was I saw all these communities in a rage because overnight, with no transparency, even the local elected officials weren't informed. Eric Adams was just transporting illegal aliens into the community against the will of the people. And, you know, we always talked about Barack Obama being a good community organizer south side of Chicago. Well, I've organized guardian angel groups, volunteer groups, 13 countries, 130 cities all over the world. That's one thing I know how to do is organize. And the key to it was bringing the moderate Democrats together with the Republicans. No easy task. And the independents. And we started at Creedmoor, which was a major, large New York State psychiatric facility where they were bringing a tent in. Uh, 1,000 single, able-bodied young men with nowhere to go, nothing to do. Nearby Nassau County, they're just a mile and a half away. And that's where we started the demonstrations. And we have told the Adams administration and Governor Hochul, wherever you set up a migrant center, whether it's in a hotel, a tent, wherever, there will be demonstrations. We are stopping this because this is madness. Madness, Brian. No question. So uh, over 200 facilities now only growing, 3,000 a week. Do you know, I, I was reading the... Uh, I was reading the New York Post the other day, and they had a lawyer. They said there's no this right to shelter law. It's not a law. I mean, we don't have to put everybody up. We don't have to give them three meals a day in laundry. That is a magnet. People might be saying, Brian, have a heart, or Curtis, have a heart. It's not a matter of having a heart. How much money do we have? Are the illegal immigrants more important than the homeless on our streets and the veterans that need care or the students that need schooling? We now have to flood these schools in New York City, all the boroughs, with illegal immigrants. Then they're gonna, we're going to have to teach them. And they don't speak English for the most part. So that's going to take more resources away from New Yorkers. If we look just at the homeless, the destitute, the emotionally disturbed, those who are drug addicted and abuse alcohol, the predominant number of people were African-Americans. It was African-Americans that elected Eric Adams to be mayor in the Democratic primary who would never have survived without their vote. The payback for them, you know, to the victor go the spoils. That's the way it's always been in politics, was he basically told his own people to the back of the line, we're taking care of illegal aliens first. The blowback from the African-American community has been the most severe I've been talking at rallies where it's predominantly African-Americans, Brian, who voted for Eric Adams, not for me, who voted for Biden, who voted for Hochul. And now they're having severe doubts. They feel like uh, they've been stabbed in the back because now their property values will plummet. They'll be forced to put up a for sale sign. They'd like to move to Florida like everyone else. Even with the hurricane ready to hit, they're still ready to pack their bags and move to Florida. And I said, no, hold on. Improve, don't move. We're going to fight for what we know is right. We will block uh, the migrants from coming in. 
and we will stop the madness at City Hall in Albany and definitely in Washington. Brian, you may have seen my Arcus yesterday. Department of Homeland Security chastised Hochul and Eric yes. Adams, who always refused to name and shame Joe Biden. He unleashed a torrent of criticism. If today they don't respond, then they've been rendered impotent, like uh, Superman with kryptonite. Then we've just got to take over. It's got to be people power because the politicians have folded like a cheap camera. There's so many different ways to go. You've been arrested a bunch of times doing this. Are you okay? I mean, do they put you in jail for a while? They just arrest you? Is it a show thing? No, no, no. Look, uh, you go in, they book you on the last arrest outside of Gracie Mansion because the mayor had said, I should do my fair share. I should take in some migrant families. And then the very next day, he did a pivot and shift. And he said, it's only symbolic. They tell me I can't do it. Well, guess what? We don't want any more symbolism. I went in with two 81-year-old senior citizens. When they took us in, not only did they handcuff us, okay, but they photographed and fingerprinted us on a minor charge. I thought that we were being like Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani in Fulton County. I couldn't believe it. I said to the cops, who I know, I said, what do you think? This guy is Jesse James, the Chief Ma Barker. They've never been arrested. You could do that to me. I've been arrested now 80 times, but now it's clear they want to stop these demonstrations. They want to stop these arrests where we utilize civil disobedience because it attracts too much attention and it's too hot to handle for Adams Hochul and definitely Joe Biden. So, Curtis Lee, we're our guest, and we're talking about a national issue, but in New York, outside the border states, it is worse than anything you can imagine. Now, today, on the cover of the New York Post, they say 122 business leaders from Jamie Dimon on down have signed a letter saying, at least let these illegal immigrants work. I think that's a terrible idea. Not that we don't need the help, not that they're not fine people in some respects in some cases, but it'll be the biggest magnet ever. If you could get to New York... Three meals a day, free place to live, and a job? Why would anyone stay in Venezuela, Guatemala, or Nigeria? Right, but remember, Brian Kilmey, years and years ago when Ronald Reagan was president, the Republicans were in favor of illegal immigration. It was the Democrats, strong union people, who said no. Cesar Chavez, the leader of the Union of Farm Workers, said no to illegal immigration because it would affect the men and women he was organizing in the fields and getting some decent pay and decent conditions. Now it's turned completely around. It's the Democrats who are welcoming in the illegal aliens, but there's still that segment of big-shot Republicans, I call them white-shoe Republicans, country club Republicans, who want cheap labor. Brian, we got to call it for what it is. They want cheap labor. And guess what? You want cheap labor? Go set up in a third-world country, because we're not a third-world country. We have standards, we have conditions, and you're absolutely right, Brian. You speed up the process of their ability to get into the country and get work, the flood, it'll be a tsunami of people flooding in. And what do you say to everybody who waited online? The millions who did it the right way, who jumped through hoops, who waited five, six, sometimes seven years, and then when finally they got to America, they appreciated when they took the test for citizenship. Brian, most Americans couldn't pass that test. They really want to be Americans. These folks, a 
not just going to take full advantage of the easy pass. We need to send them back. You want to come in, do it the right way. But if you're here illegally, we need to ship you out, and then you can begin the process from your embassy or your consulate in your country of origin. Very simple. Yeah, we, we are one of the few countries uh, that people want to go to while Japan withers and Russia withers and China withers. People want to be Americans. I get it. But there's got to be a system. So here's Nicole Maliotakis yesterday, Cut 26. People are having a hard enough time keeping their own roof over their head, and now what the government is saying, you have to pay to house these individuals. She's asking for Section 8 vouchers. Think about that. We have a years-long waiting list from citizens, domestic violence victims, veterans who are waiting for Section 8 vouchers, and she's asking the president to allow these people who have come illegally to cut the line and take away from citizens. It's unbelievable. Not to mention she wants free Metro cards for the ability for uh, these individuals to ride our uh, subways and our buses for free after she just raised our tolls and fares. These people are bending over backwards to provide for illegal immigrants what their own citizens aren't even receiving in terms of benefits. So she's saying, uh, well, well, she's talking about Governor Hochul, who's now at war with the mayor. And now the mayor and governor are being called out by Homeland Security Secretary, which means the Biden administration. These are Democrat against Democrat against Democrat. Curtis, let me ask you, Lee Zeldin did so much to deliver some of these seats and turn them red in New York. Without him on the ballot, people worried. Will this immigration... Uh, a policy allow Republicans to have an opportunity to grab seats in New York again? Yes, this is the wedge issue for Republicans. The wedge issue for Democrats, we've heard it talked about ad nauseum, abortion. In fact, Joe Biden believes he can ride the abortion issue back into office. Oh, my God, please, a thousand times no. But he's right. You do the polling, women will vote for those who are pro-choice and not pro-life, the majority of them, whereas this wedge issue of illegal immigration destroying states, especially those that declare themselves now to be sanctuary states, sanctuary cities, which there are no laws. There's nothing that says we're a sanctuary state or city other than a proclamation. You could rescind that in an hour. There will be tremendous blowback. And it'll be from moderate Democrats. That's the pathway to victory. And think of this. The battleground is Staten Island. They've always wanted to secede from New York. They've tried before. If the Republicans can run the board with a Republican president, a Republican Senate, a Republican House, which is feasible, Staten Island could secede and become the 51st state. That means two Republican senators, a Republican congressperson. You know the Republican majority would vote for that in a heartbeat. Right. I think Long Island wants to join Staten Island, if uh, I'm correct. Uh, they have just had it with all their money going to uh, New York State and New York and New York City. Well, you know, something that is poetic justice, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, was fundraising all weekend in the Hamdens, getting wine, dine, and pocket line. His host was that the evil one, Scaramucci. Oh, my God, he makes my blood uh, boil and my skin uh, just creep up. And while he was out there, he had announced that he wants to house the illegal aliens in the West Hampton National Guard terminal of the airport in West Hampton. No way. Yes, and people have already called me. I think number 81, the arrest, is going to be around the airport in West Hampton. Uh, I'm telling you, Brian, we got to stop them everywhere they move. Can you imagine the?
taking everybody's money in the Hamptons, smiling in their face, saying, but we're going to take the West Hampton Airport and shove illegal aliens there. And some of these people were still giving them money. It's crazy. And the thing is, because they're probably leaving uh, now that the summer's over. The other thing is Randall's Island. I know so many soccer players that have their games canceled because they're legal immigrant tent cities set up on the turf, not even in the parking lot. So kids have nowhere to play. Can you believe this? How could that be a political you, winner? I'm telling you, Brian, there is a solution to compromise because I realize I'm never going to get what I want. You're never going to get what you want. The AOC and the socialists are never going to get what they want, which is no borders, no security, no cops, no prisons. So how about this? I've been locked up in Rikers Island many times in the first days of the Guardian Angels when the cops thought we were the Hells Angels. I know every square inch of the 400 acres. Half the buildings are empty. You could put tents up there. You could house 30,000. Keep them on Rikers Island. There's one bridge in and out. They don't get to leave. They get proper vetted criminal background checks from their countries of origin they get medical checkups and they get vaccinated and then after a period of time if we have to compromise then and then only do we let them off the island it's not a prison it's just a facility we'll call it ellis island too <laughs> that you've got to get through if you ever expect to get to the mainland curtis i love the idea always thinking always getting arrested courtesy we can't be stopped Founder of the Guardian Angels, great talk show host in his own right. Always got it. And we'll be running for mayor again. You heard it. Curtis, thank you. Anytime, just have the bail money ready. Brian, <laughs> I'm getting locked up in West Hampton at the airport. <laughs> Go get him. Thanks. When we come back, I'll uh, have some final thoughts and try to squeeze in some calls. Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Let's talk about some new polling that we're just getting in about President Biden showing his age is a significant concern for voters ahead of the 2024 election, including among Democrats, by the way. A new AP NORC poll finds three quarters, more than three quarters of Americans think Biden, who is 80, is too old to serve another term. Seventy seven percent of them. Donald Trump is just three years younger than Biden, but only 51 percent of Americans say he is too old to be effective in a second term. Even Democrats who like Joe Biden and, and plan to support him, they do have concerns about his age. Yes, they do. And it's just a, it's just a fact that they have to deal with. And as much as they don't like talking publicly, they know the president's age is an issue and a real one. They understand it's a legitimate concern for voters. Because he's acting of older than his age. Not that he's 80. There's people listening to me right now, they're 80. And they could take their SATs today. Uh, Sanders, nobody thinks that Trump's problem is that he's 77. They don't have, like, Trump. They wish they could find, I know. I guess there was one speech that he made that they felt as though he wasn't crisp. And they're like, oh, Donald Trump's getting tired. This, uh, the cases are wearing on him. No, they're not wearing on him. He played 18 holes of golf and was asked to give a quick comment. So the problem with Trump is not age. The problem with Joe Biden, when he was 50, he was a problematic when he was 60, he was problematic. And now that he's 80, he is beyond any, beyond the cell date. And we're, we're saddled with him. And here's the thing. He's lazy. He's exhausted. He's on vacation. 
all the time. He stays in Delaware three days a week, doesn't come back till noon on Monday. He not, doesn't, not only does he not able to do the job, I don't even think he wants the job. He is just now ramping up his reelection campaign. He's just ramping up now and just staffing up now. And, yeah, you might be upset that Gavin Newsom is having a debate with Ron DeSantis because it might upset Kamala Harris, who says, I want everyone to know I'm the heir apparent. Well, no one thinks you're the heir apparent. The most important job, the best job for Democrats would have been a promising, talented vice president doing most of the work, showing that they're willing to take over. Maybe Biden go and go win reelection. And then he just gradually says, I retire. I'm getting too old. But people look at Kamala Harris and say, oh, my goodness, are you kidding me? Incompetent, not saying she's not smart, incompetent and doesn't put the work in and brutal to her staff. Can't even keep a full staff, does not keep a full schedule, ignores the president's requests to take things like voting rights and the border under her portfolio. Instead, look at how great she's doing talking about abortion. Wow. If someone told me I was great at uh, talking about pro-abortion giving speeches, I would not be thrilled. But congratulations. So we'll see. Uh, Donald Trump, I just saw a morning console poll, is up two despite four indictments. Four indictments is up two on Joe Biden. Incredible. Listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'll be on the five tonight. So make sure you watch tonight, tomorrow, and then I'm hosting for Laura at 7 on Thursday. It's a lot of me. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.